Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. My name is Chaplain Daniel Braswell. I'm the pastor for the Protestant congregation at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. I invite you to look today at John uh, chapter 19 as we look at the story of the crucifixion here on Good Friday. In a few minutes, we'll be reading that story uh, together. Uh, Before we do that, I want to share a story with you that I ran across as I was uh, studying. A a novelist at one point was asked to tell a very sad story, but an entire story in only six words. And as he was asked to do that, he shared his story with three simple two-word phrases that were very sad. For sale, baby shoes, never worn. In only those six words, this writer reminds readers how quickly and easily human hopes can fall to pieces. Maybe you're here today on this Good Friday and you're listening and, and you've had things that unraveled. You've had times in your life recently where life has fallen apart. Uh, I have no doubt all around us, uh, we, we may even know people with the spread of COVID-19 and with other sicknesses and things that are going on where people, lives change very, very quickly. That's what happens in this story as we read together in just a moment. I'm reminded that uh, even in the midst of all this, the Bible teaches that God is in control. Uh, Peter said it this way in his sermon on Pentecost. He said that Jesus was delivered up according to God's determined plan and God's determined uh, foreknowledge. In another place, Paul said that he decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why the Bible calls the gospel, the message, good news. Paul also talks about God reconciling the world to himself. As we think about the events of Good Friday, before we read John's particular portion, I want to remind us that in the gospel of John, he gives the story of the crucifixion, but in all of the Gospels, the crucifixion narrative is there, and different piece, different Gospels share different parts of the narrative. Before we look at John in particular, I want to share with you an overall summary of the events that do take place on Good Friday. Now, the first thing that takes place, of course, this is Good Friday. Yesterday, we would have celebrated Maundy Thursday when the uh, Passover took place and, and, the, and, the, and the Last Supper. But on Good Friday, the first thing that takes place is Jesus, Jesus is betrayed. Uh, you remember the story when, when uh, Judas betrayed him with a kiss. So Jesus is betrayed, Judas uh, betrays him, and he is um, arrested. After that, uh, the Jewish leaders took Jesus before Annas, and he has an informal hearing uh, there. As that takes place, you remember part of the narrative that happened on Good Friday was that uh, Peter denied Jesus three times. Remember that in the rooster crowed. We also find out that Judas, he returns the 30 pieces of silver that they gave him, and then he goes out and Judas hangs himself. In the meantime, as Jesus was questioned first by Annas, uh, he gets sent to Pilate. And remember, Pilate questions him the first time. But then Pilate sends Jesus back to Herod Antipas on that same day. Well, Herod Antipas, he questions Jesus, and having no way to kill him himself or have the authority to, he sends him back to Pilate. And then Jesus appears before Pilate a second time, and then we know at that point he's condemned to die. Jesus is mocked, Jesus is whipped, he's flogged, 
and he's marched to Golgotha. Jesus there is hung on a cross between two thieves, and then Jesus breathes his last, and then Joseph of Arimathea buries Jesus in a new tomb. I want to share with you John and specifically what he says about the crucifixion. He doesn't share all those details, but for our scripture message today, we're going to focus in on what John says in John 19, beginning in verse 16. And he says this, So he delivered him over to be crucified. So they took Jesus and they went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. For they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. And after this, knowing that all was now finished, he said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The Gospel writer John, he spends a great deal of time on the crucifixion. In fact, when you read through the chapters of John, John chapters 1 through 11 deal with Jesus and his miracles, seven specific signs that John focuses on. But from John chapter 12 all the way to where we read 19 and even to the end of the book, that entire section is focused on Holy Week. I want to remind you of, the, of where John takes us as he goes through his Gospels because I believe that as we go back and see exactly what John is trying to point out, we learn a great deal of things we can take away as we contemplate this Good Friday. You don't have to follow along in your Bible, but I'll summarize for you what takes place in the rest of the Gospel of John. John gives us uh, seven signs, the first signs be being in John chapter 2. There's a wedding at Cana. You probably remember what happened. Uh, the, there was a wedding and Jesus was there. Jesus' mother was there. Disciples were there. And they ran out of wine. And miraculously, Jesus, he turns water into wine. In fact, he makes lots and lots of wine. And as he does so, he shows that he's Lord over creation. He, he, he 
people begin to see and wonder, who is this Jesus? And it even mentions in one place that people believe in him. The second sign in John chapter 4, Jesus heals a nobleman's son. Uh, it says in, uh, in John chapter 4 that this man actually, as a result, he believed in Jesus. It showed that Jesus is Lord over sickness. Jesus has the power to heal. In John chapter 5, there's another healing. There's a lame man, remember, who laid at a pool of Bethesda. Uh, the Bible says that uh, he had no way to get into the pool, but it says that Jesus healed this man. In John chapter 6, you have a, another story, the feeding of the 5,000. You may remember that there were people there, and Jesus uh, had, had the five loaves and the two fish, and he blessed it, and then everybody ate. It's ironically, or not ironically, maybe more intentionally, Jesus in that very next chapter calls himself the bread of life as he continued to feed people. Every sign that John shares with us, he is trying to make the main point that he is wanting us to believe that Jesus is the Christ. He says that at the end of his book. He says, I am writing this to let you know so that you will believe in Jesus. And every sign is pointing to something about Jesus, whether it be his, his, his lording, his, his lord over creation, whether it be his power to heal, whether it be his being the bread of life. There's another one in John chapter 6 where Jesus walks on water. Uh, he, he's, the, he's the lord of nature. Uh, it's, it's a great picture of Jesus' uh, humanity and divinity rolled up into one. Here's Jesus sleeping, but yet he wakes up in the middle of a storm and he simply is able to walk out on the water. The disciples were frightened at this point, but Jesus, he continues to teach them. Uh, the sixth sign is uh, a man who is born blind in John chapter 9. Uh, in chapter 8, again, Jesus and John, the, the writer, being very intentional in tying these two things together, Jesus in John chapter 8 calls himself the light of the world. That is an intentional lead into the story of a man born blind. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus can heal blindness. And then the final sign in John chapter 11 is when Lazarus died. Jesus has already left Lazarus and, and, and Martha and Mary, and he comes back, and, and he tells Martha that great statement that he is the resurrection and the life. And then John chapter 12 begins with Holy Week, which is what we've been commemorating, uh, celebrating uh, all week long as we find our way here uh, to Good Friday. And each of these signs are pointing to something about Jesus. Now, John chapter 1 verse 1, it begins very similarly to Genesis 1-1. I want to point that out as we get ready to go back and look at this crucifixion story. Remember John 1-1 said, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Much the same way Genesis 1-1 said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus came to make all things new. And it is interesting to me that as we think about creation, and the book of Genesis starting by saying, In the beginning, God, the Gospel of John starting with saying, in the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. That Word he's talking about is Jesus who became flesh. It's interesting to me that creation ended on the sixth day. And here we are on the sixth day of the week, Good Friday, as Jesus begins to make all things new. As we think about that and we think about the crucifixion story, I want to share two 
uh, thoughts with you that I hope will be a blessing to us as we ponder and as we think about Jesus' crucifixion. Point number one is this. Jesus, he finished what he came to do. Jesus finished what he came to do. Time and time in Scripture, it talks about Jesus being the Savior of the world. John the Baptist himself, Behold the Lamb of God who does what? Who takes away the sin of the world. I can't help but think about that comparison of the creation story in the beginning and John starting his gospel in the beginning and then it culminating in John 19 as Jesus dies on the cross and Jesus makes this powerful statement in John chapter 19 verse 30 where he received the sour wine and he said it is finished it is finished Norman T. Wright said this about about sin he said that when God looks at sin he said to think of it this way as God the Creator sees his creation sinning against him and making what was good sinful he said, think of it as a violin maker, perhaps a violin maker who makes a beautiful Stradivarius, one of these that you can't even put a price tag on, and the beauty that that, that violinist can make as they play that beautiful music. When God looks at sin and sees what we've done with it, Norman T. Wright says it's as if that violin maker were to see his lovely creation used as a tennis racket. Total disordering total opposite of what it was intended to do, and that's what sin does in our life. But Jesus finished what he came here to do. He made that statement, it is finished. The word there, it is finished, is also used in verse 28. I'll go back and point it out to you. When uh, Jesus, it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, he said, I thirst. This idea of being finished in the original language was in the perfect tense. That means that it is, a, it is an activity that has present action. In other words, the concept of it is finished right now is the action taking place, but the perfect tense shows that this action has future ramifications. It has future consequences. The results of this present action will go on and on. What a powerful thought for us on Good Friday that as Jesus, as he, as he died, he's, it's finished, it's accomplished, it's completed. Even in the midst of a dark day, the Gospel of John doesn't go into a great detail about what the crucifixion was like. Uh, many of you, like me, have read uh, many different accounts of what first century crucifixion was like, but John's, right, John's readers knew exactly what crucifixion was. They knew the horror. And they knew that Jesus, when he crucified, when he was crucified, exactly what that meant. But Jesus finished what he came to do. It was the same idea in the first century they would have used when they would have wrote on a bill, paid in full. It's the idea of, of, of being totally finished. Jesus, with his uh, shameful, chaotic, and horrible death, he's gone to the very bottom the darkest and deep, deepest place of ruin. And he's planted a sign right there that says rescued and redeemed. Jesus on this dark day has finished what he came to do. Number two is this, though. Not only has Jesus came and completed and finished what he came to do, number two, he has a word 
for those whose lives will never be the same. He has a word for those whose lives will never be the same. I want you to notice some of the people that were mentioned in that last part of that story. It said that standing by the cross were who? It was Jesus' mother, his mother's sister, and Mary, the wife, wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And then it also talks about the disciple whom Jesus loved, who we know from reading the whole gospel of John is, the apostle John uh, himself. These are people whose lives will never be the same. It, it, is, it is the idea that God so loved the world. It is the love of Jesus as he looks and says, Behold your mother, behold your son. Jesus is having a word to give to them whose lives will never be the same. When you read through the Gospel of John, what you'll find is that Jesus has been, has been this has been part of his mission, part of his plan all along, and, and the Gospel of John points that out to us in, in a couple of places. Because there's three times in John where John shares that Jesus uses this language of, of, of being lifted up. Uh, th this language of when he is lifted up, he'll draw people to himself. It is no accident that John ends his narrative with the crucifixion with a picture of Jesus having a, a brief but powerful conversation with these women and with the Apostle John. He uses this language of being lifted up, first of all, in the story of Nicodemus. You remember Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and I'll read to you part of what Nicodemus said. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And Jesus answered, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand? And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, we speak of uh, what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you don't receive our testimony. And then in verse 13 he says this, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus reminds Nicodemus that there's coming a day when he's going to be lifted up. And when he does, he's going to draw people to himself. Jesus says it again in John chapter 8. Let me read it to you. Jesus said to the crowd, I have much to say about you and much to judge, and he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. It says they did not understand what he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. Jesus a second time uses this idea of the Son of Man being lifted up. And I believe as we ponder Good Friday, this day of horror, this, this, this day of scandal, this day where the sinless Son of God is crucified, to pay the sin debt for you and for me. Jesus all along was saying when, he, when he's lifted up, he'll draw people to himself. So for those of us whose lives may be at a point where we've never, they'll never be the same, Jesus has something to say to us. Let me share one more uh, for you. And this is out of Jesus' prayer himself. In, in John, chapter, uh, John chapter 12, he has a prayer that he says. He says, Father, uh, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. This is God speaking from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there heard it and said that it had thundered. And others said an angel had spoken to him. But then Jesus said this, This voice has come for your sake and not mine. Now, this 
is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Here we have again Jesus saying, as he is lifted up, he'll draw all people to himself. Good Friday. I think about Jesus on that cross saying, I thirst. Uh, one song put it this way, I thirst, yet he made the rivers. I thirst, yet he made the sea. This is the same Jesus who in the Gospel of John speaks to the Samaritan woman and talks to her and says, If you knew of the water which I give you, it's water of everlasting life. Ironically, that Jesus, he says that he thirsts at that moment. And he takes that final drink before he makes his final statement on the cross where he says, It is finished. Jesus was on a mission. The Gospel of John says that he wrote these things so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing we may have life in his name. This is a God, this is a Jesus who on Good Friday is still reaching out and still loving those whose lives may never be the same. So what is our prayer? What could our prayer be today? Well, my prayer for us today is to stand and to wait at the foot of the cross and to see what fresh word may be coming to us concerning the way forward. Good Friday is the point at which God comes into our chaos to be there with us in the middle of it and to bring us his new creation. Let's pause and give thanks and listen for his words of love and his words of healing. I shared a story at the beginning of our time together of how quickly times of joy can turn into times of sadness. All four of the gospel writers summarize the events of that Good Friday. Some of us can also summarize how quickly life can change. May we remember God's love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On this Good Friday, I encourage us to ponder his death and listen for his love as one who died in our place. And I'll share one final thought with you. Good Friday is not all there is. Praise the Lord, there's more to come. May God bless you this day and may you ponder Good Friday knowing that Jesus finished what he came to do and he's still reaching out to us today. Amen.